1: this is the unsportsmanlike podcast on espn radio unsportsmanlike this is unsportsmanlike with chris canty evan cohen and michelle smallman thank you um, um thank you michelle thank you guys all right there is udonis
2: haslam i think he called you owen oh no uh, that's fine i'll change my name right now i will change my name legally to owen if that's what i have to owen, do owen cohen <laughs> whatever well evan cohen combined can be owen i guess owen cohen is that what just happened
1: thank you Owen.
2: i don't think smalls has ever had more joy in her life than that moment of my favorite player who i've talked to before calling me owen the concept of Owen Cohen brought such joy to you. It really was remarkable.
3: <laughs> but it wasn't just Owen Cohen. It was that it was Eudonis Haslam that I called know. you yeah. Owen Cohen. But,
2: like, was there more joy when you got the call to be on the show or when Owen Cohen was invented?
3: Well, I mean, definitely getting on Okay, show. I'm just
2: yeah, making but, sure. But, but that Owen was a close
3: second. Far behind
0: I know. Now. Just <laughs> because of how much UD means to you. Oh,
2: yeah. God. We are on sports here on ESPN Radio, ESPN ESPNU. Uh, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. <laughs> so a story out of nowhere just broke here of what almost could have maybe hypothetically possibly happened at the NBA trade deadline. This from moments ago. Adrian Wodronowski, Ramona Shelburne, tremendous reporters, obviously. Sources. Warriors made bid for LeBron James at the trade deadline. Oof. Okay, so Ooh. basically as part of this story, I'm going to read through some of this here because it is remarkable some of the detail that Woj and Ramona got. Great job by them. So I guess the Warriors made an unsuccessful pitch to the Lakers for LeBron at the deadline. Now I'm going to read you some of this. Armed with the encouragement of Warriors star Draymond Green, Golden State owner Joe Lacob reached out to Lakers owner Jeannie Buss to inquire whether James's apparent public frustration could be interpreted as an opening to discuss the trade, sources said. Before I go any further, CeCe, that was the first part of this that jumped out at you, I know. The owner-to-owner conversation, why?
0: Yeah, because that lets you know the gravity of the talks. Like, this was a real thing where I think both franchises were acknowledging, based on where they're at, they're going nowhere in terms of being able to compete for a championship in this season. And so for them to actually get down the road to the point where they're actually discussing it, That means that there was a real possibility that this could happen if they would get all parties involved, and primarily LeBron James, to sign off on it. All right,
2: we continue. Buss told Lacob the Lakers had no desire to trade James but that he would need to seek the answer on James's state of mind from his agent, Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul, sources said. As an owner, Buss has operated with the mindset that she wants her star players content with the franchise and that instructed her thinking on referring Warriors' leadership to James's representation, sources said. So that, as we walk through this, now there's going to be parts of it where maybe they shoot so it hold down. Hold on, hold on, Let me, yeah. let, me let
0: me paraphrase that. Go ahead. That. Yeah, we would like not to get rid of LeBron James. We'd like to keep LeBron James, but... If LeBron James wants something, then we're going to do exactly what we, he wants to do. Hmm. Like so you read fran- that as an, op- an open As a franchise, we're saying, hey, we'll give you permission to work out a trade if that's what you want to do. Like, you're entertaining the possibility that LeBron might want to be moved at the deadline this year. That's what that tells me. You're referring ownership in the front office of the Golden State Warriors to LeBron's agent. That's risky. You're, you're not shutting down the talks at all. You're saying, hey— we, we don't necessarily want to do this, but if that's what Brown wants, then that's what we'll do.
2: And they can't stop any... Ownership, governorship in the league from talking to agents and obviously you're not supposed to talk about players well, on he's other cur- teams. He's currently under another contract. He's,
0: he's under contract. Yeah,
2: but they can talk to Rich Paul about anybody. Sure. It's, they're not supposed to but whatever. Nobody's yeah. going ju- to you know, monitor that. Yeah,
0: I got you. All right, so
2: we continue. If the Lakers ever wanted a temperature check on James's commitment, here was their chance to tell them. In the end, that answer for the Warriors and Lakers returned resoundingly on the eve of the trade deadline. Rich Paul told Lake up and Warriors GM Mike Dunleavy Jr. that James had no interest in a trade and wanted a Remain a Laker, sources said. When Dunleavy Jr. reached out to Lakers GM Rob Polinka in those pre-trade deadline hours, Dunleavy Jr. had been told the same: the Lakers wanted to keep James, sources said. Here's where it gets even more interesting, though, right? Because that's like shooting it down right there. Earlier Wednesday, this is uh, the, before the trade deadline. Draymond Green, whom Paul also who, who Paul also represents a clutch had sent Paul a text message soliciting his help convincing James to join him in Golden State, sources said. Once Green, once Green had been a lead recruiter on Kevin Durant's free agency signing with the Golden State Warriors, but this was far different. Far more uh, 11th hour pursuit here. But that is Draymond after they get the no from LeBron saying, hey, Rich, can you help me with this?
3: No, Rich is asking Dre for help, right? No, other way. Oh, other way. Other way. Okay.
2: But again... It still leads me to believe that there may have been a 1% chance that LeBron James was interested in potentially a trade, but it more so makes me believe that the Lakers wouldn't have fought him if he asked them to trade him.
0: I think that's the bigger takeaway, and I guess the Lakers are being realist about it because LeBron has a player option this coming summer. So if he wants to get out of L.A., whether it happens at the deadline this year or it happens in the summer, either way, the result is the same. The Lakers probably ain't going to win a championship. So, I mean, I guess there's no point in trying to impede LeBron James from getting to a place that he might want to go where he thinks he has a better chance of being successful in this season. But the fact that this didn't happen when it seemingly makes sense for both sides is a little bit of a head-scratcher. And Smalls, I can't get past the fact that there might be a lot of ego from the LeBron James camp in terms of the perception around what would have happened if he did get traded to Golden State. Because he would be joining Steph Curry and Draymond Green and not the other way around. He'd be destroyed. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, 100%. Because it was okay that he did it once upon a time yeah. when he left Cleveland the first time to go to Miami right. and join D. Wade. He went to what he called basketball school with Pat Riley. Yeah. With the best coach in all of sports, not just the NBA, and Eric Spoelstra. Okay, that makes sense. Right. That teach, makes sense. Teach me. Teach me. But but now that we're what four championships later? No,
2: he's the professor. He, he he's yeah. the
0: guy. He's the guy that other stars are supposed to want to come join in order to win a chip. If he would have to defect from the L.A. Lakers in the middle of the season because the team that he in large part constructed couldn't get it done, then then that is an admission of failure on the behalf of LeBron James, the GM. And I think that does take a little bit of the luster off of where he's at in terms of the perception around him joining different teams and making super teams.
3: Oh, and he knows that, obviously. Can yeah? Can you imagine the way he would have been destroyed if this would have gone down? And Annihilated. He, and he would have had to join that team. Yeah. Not just any collection of stars, but this specific team yeah. that he's had such It puts him further away with. from
0: Jordan. He's still number two yeah. all time, but it puts him further away from Jordan. I mean, that, that's his biggest if that, rival. If that's what he has to end up doing.
3: But I wonder how he's receiving all of this, right? So he's out there wearing the Knicks style. He's putting the hourglass emoji out there and meanwhile conversations are being had about him being the piece that could potentially move and he's having these conversations behind the scenes you mentioned the word ego I wonder how somebody like LeBron feels when these conversations are brought to him but
0: here's the thing that I can't get past as a Lakers fan right because I root for the laundry like it it actually makes sense for the Lakers like we're not going to win a championship this year so LeBron has a player option this summer he could be traded somewhere he could have been traded somewhere last week and then opted out and came back to L.A. as a free agent. But the team would be a lot better because of the pieces that you could get from Golden State.
2: CeCe, the Lakers confirmed that it makes sense for them. They, they, they gave them permission. By to, saying, yeah. talk to Rich Paul. Yeah. Not, are you bleeping kidding me? Yeah. Which is You're going to call us about LeBron James. Imagine a GM calling Brent Veach of the Ch- Kansas City Chiefs. You interested in trading Mahomes? Like think about the reaction that the that the g m has when when they call genie bus and he and she is refer- that's the the majority governor of the Lakers when she then refers warrior's representation talk to rich Paul that means. We'll do it if he wants to do it. We just don't want to be the one to have to ask him. I mean,
0: there's a couple pieces that that the that the Warriors have that would be attractive, right? You want now all of a sudden he wants Kaminga. Now, yeah, no, I, about- I, <laughs> I take Kaminga. I mean, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, it, it seems mm. like he's falling out of favor, but hey, that's an athletic wing that could be a good piece alongside LeBron. I mean, Pajemski as a role player off the bench. Like there are pieces that the Warriors would have. That would make sense for the Lakers. Like, listen, I would love to have a guy like Jonathan Kaminga who's having a career year right now. I mean, you're talking about a dude that's averaging 15 points a game, and he's only going to get better because he's 21 years old. Like, that's that's another piece that you could build. A, like, I don't know, man. It just made so much sense. And for LeBron James to shut this down, it just doesn't feel like there's an actual on-court basketball reason why this trade didn't happen. Because it puts him – let's be clear about one thing. It puts him closer to a championship than he is right now with the Lakers if he gets traded to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah,
2: if they're – I don't think in this scenario they actually would have wanted to give up Clay because I think the Lakers probably want Clay. Well, Clay's
0: a free agent, right? But anyway, I think that so. in
2: this specific case, having Clay next to LeBron makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. So I would assume they would have used the Chris Paul contract and then the young pieces you're talking about. Yeah. But if you're going to ask where does he have a better chance of winning in the current situation or a hypothetical lineup that would have been Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, LeBron James, and Draymond Green? It's Golden State. That's now, my point. Here's yeah. where it gets comical and funny, though. Okay, so Woj and Ramona continue. Dunleavy Jr., that's the GM of the Warriors, was the second team executive to call Polinka on a possible trade, sources said. After seeing James's murky social media post in the hourglass the week before the trade deadline, 76 years' ba- president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, called Polinka to probe on a James trade and was immediately told James wasn't available. In fact, Polinka responded by asking Maury if Joel Embiid was available, sources said, and that ended that brief conversation. Three sorts of bold trade calls are historically, these sorts of uh, trade calls are historically a common practice for Maury, who called the Suns about a trade for Durant prior to the deadline sources. He's just all over the place. But again, I think the takeaway of this story is the fact that the Los Angeles Lakers did not hang up immediately on the Golden State Warriors about a possible LeBron James trade, that they referred them to the agent. And I, I have to wonder, did Jeannie Buss in a way hope that Rich Paul would call her and say, you know, this Warriors thing makes a lot of sense. If we can work this out, we'll we'll say yes on this one.
0: I mean we've now entered the portion of LeBron James' career where that's on the table. Mm. Where something Which it never where, was where something prior. was unfathomable in terms of trading him now, that's actually a conversation. And I mean the next follow up question to that would be Do you believe you could win a championship with LeBron James as your best player night in and night out? I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not saying no. I wouldn't say no either. But but I'm just saying it's a question now. So here's the other question. question. Here's the other question. Do you guys both
2: think that any part of Jeannie Buss was hoping LeBron would say, yes, I want to go to Golden State? Yes,
0: I think every part of her was hoping that.
3: The fact that she didn't say no immediately and hang up, I think, says a lot. Yeah, That speaks volumes to me. That
2: she wanted him to ask out. That's how we're interpreting the story? She, she gave a path, an avenue for yeah. that to happen.
3: It wasn't an immediate no.
2: It wasn't a no. And is LeBron now mad that there's no immediate well, no? That's does what that I now was saying. Flip the script? I wonder here?
3: how he receives it. But well, where's he
0: going, though? Where's LeBron going? Right, but, he's, but, he's not
3: going anywhere. But if he does any of this passive aggressive stuff in the future, the hourglass, the towel, does it land differently knowing that the Lakers didn't immediately say no? on a conversation with Golden State about him? Does it chip away at his power just a little bit? How
0: much do you really want me? How much, if you were willing to listen, if you were willing to entertain moving me somewhere else, how much do you really want me? How much are you committed to me? Yeah, those are all things that are on the board, but here's the thing. The Lakers have the leverage of being in L.A., uh, to hold over LeBron James because that's where all of his businesses are and that's where his family is. His son plays at USC for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Like it's like okay, you can try to bully us as an organization, but now we're at a point where we're going to do what's in our best interest, and sometimes that might not mean going all in every single season because that's what you want.
2: But these are the kind of things that he uses against the organizations, right? Like I remember in Miami, one of the things that he was mad about was that the Heat didn't that they they let go of Mike Miller. And it would have cost them $6 million or whatever it was. And he always used that against Miami as if somehow, and Mike Miller's great, but that was not going to be make or break for them. Those little tiny things that would indicate them not fully supporting his path to a championship are the things he uses against the organization.
0: Well, they fully supported his path to a championship. It was just going to be with the Golden State Warriors this yeah. year. They fully supported it. Well, They're like, bro, we'll we'll help you get where you want to get. But I could see, yeah,
2: I could see him using players. this against a, the Lakers. That
3: was a different time, different place in his career. And he was a different player, yeah. And he was a different player. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Very, very interesting story. ESPN.com has it. Adrian Wojnarowski, Ramona Shelburne, on the possible conversations that the Lakers and the Warriors had around the trade deadline for LeBron James. All right, we'll stay in the Bay Area-ish coming up because, uh, yeah, Kyle Shanahan spoke... Yesterday and uh, didn't go well for him. We'll get to that next. Done Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance.
0: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
5: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike.
5: I didn't even know about the new playoff overtime rule, so it was a surprise to me. You know what, I didn't even realize that the playoff rules were different in overtime, so I have, I assumed you just want the ball because
6: you score a touchdown and win, but I guess that's not the case.
4: Kyle Shanahan, of all people, knows that the Super Bowl can go to overtime, but it is at minimum a very bad look that I know the rule and I'm just watching the game on TV. How do the players playing in it not know that rule?
2: Well, we know the players didn't know the rule. Did the head coach know the rule? Kyle Shanahan met with the media yesterday. We were waiting for it for his explanation as to what happened in overtime of the Super Bowl where they chose to take the ball first. Which doesn't make sense based on the new overtime rules because as CeCe has pointed out, there's no absolution in taking the ball first. There absolutely is in taking the ball second. Here is Shanahan after a meeting with the media yesterday on the playoff overtime rules and his decision-making.
6: We did say, and we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss, hey, review everyone with them, make sure they're sure before we go out. So we asked the position coach to do that, but I didn't cover it in a meeting on the Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. Um, We did it with our analytics department. We decided that going into the playoffs. What, you know, I think you guys know how I've explained how I make decisions with that stuff in the past. I take all the information I can get, um, especially ones I haven't been in. And um, our analytics felt that was the best way to go. But as you guys know, I don't always just go with that. Uh, I take into account what they say, what they think is right. And then I go off my gut in the heat of battle. And I knew what they felt going into it. And when I think about that during the moments, I have to make the decision. I think the type of game it was did match what they felt was the best way to do. It did seem more like a field goal game, um, and our defense had been out there for a real long time right before that. So uh, it was no, I didn't feel at all to override that at the time.
0: Here's the problem with analytics, Ev. I, I can't stand when coaches today use this as a shield. To defend decisions that don't work out. Mm-hmm. That's the problem I have with the logic that Kyle Shanahan just laid out for us uh, when he's doing the post-mortem on why they lost the Super Bowl. I- I'm sitting here thinking about it, Smalls. They've had this rule in place for the playoffs and overtime for the last couple of years. We haven't had any playoff games go to overtime over the last couple of years. So exactly what information is the <laughs> analytics department using to model out what the best decision is? That's the part of it I don't understand. Like you're putting together a spreadsheet and it's supposed to have all of this information and it's supposed to help you develop probability scales for if you take the ball first versus kick it off first if you win the coin toss in overtime. But but there is no information to put in the spreadsheet. What the hell are we talking about? I don't know. We haven't seen this play out. We haven't had an overtime game. So who's to say what the best strategy is? But what I do know is this. Playing for a third possession that may not happen based on what happens in the first two drives, or first two possessions in overtime, is absolutely asinine. And that was the reason that Kyle Shanahan gave us as to why he took the ball first in OT. And come to find out, when we heard from the Kansas City Chiefs camp, Andy Reid and the players, they all were well aware of the rule, and they said, even if we didn't get the ball first, if we did get the coin toss, we weren't going to take the ball first in overtime. Like, they're saying that they weren't going to do that. And if they were in the situation where the other team scored first, that they would then match the score and go for two. So the, the hypothetical third possession that Kyle Shanahan is floating out there was never going to happen based on the philosophy that the Kansas City Chiefs were marching out there. But that's the problem when you're trying to lean on analytics and that line of thinking, when it comes to a scenario that we've quite literally never seen play out in the NFL.
3: Yeah, since we want to talk about stats and numbers, I'll boil it down this way. The math is not mathing. Yeah. What, what he's saying is not mathing to me. Yeah. Whether it's about the analytics that implored him to make that decision or his players not knowing the rules, deferring that and kind of throwing his other coaches under the bus, saying I thought that they were going to be the ones to, to make sure that they knew this. That's not mathing to me because either way, you're the head coach. It all comes back to you. If you're going through the models and the statistics or whatever sort of analytics you have on this situation, why aren't you talking about that with your team? Why aren't you talking about that and discussing that with the players to make sure – if perchance this situation arises, arose, arise, whatever, that they are as prepared as we saw the Kansas City Chiefs were in that scenario. Are
2: we missing anything with this? Because none of us are sitting here in the analytics department for any of these teams. Because I don't think we are, but just to to play devil's advocate with us, would regular overtime analytics play a factor into this? I would assume no, because it's different rules, right? You have to look at it different. Because taking the ball first in a regular season overtime game – you could end the game. Taking the ball first in a playoff overtime game, you can't end the game. So I'm just, what are we missing? How can you use analytics if it's never actually happened? And how do you project out the way it's going to happen, even if you're using overtime in general or anything else, because the rules are different. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. He's trying to play for a sudden death scenario, and that's not going to happen because of how the Kansas City Chiefs were going to approach their first possession, which would have been the second drive in overtime. Like Both teams get an opportunity to possess the ball. So with San Francisco, there is no absolution. Even if they go down, score a touchdown, kick a field goal, the Chiefs are going to get the ball. Patrick Mahomes is going to get the ball. And in that situation, Mahomes said, yeah, we were going to go down, score a touchdown, and, and go for two. But I guess when I look at it, why would you not want to have the information as to what you would need to to tie the game or to win the game if you're Kyle Shanahan because that's the advantage that you get by taking the ball second as opposed to first. Well, and it's, it's very simple. It's like the college overtime rules. Yeah, We see it all the time. In college overtime both teams get an opportunity to get the ball and preferably you want to be the team that gets it second right? because you know exactly what, it, what you need, whether it's a field goal, whether it's a touchdown, two-point conversion. You know exactly what you need in order to tie the game to keep it going or win the game.
3: You're armed with all the information. Exactly.
0: You got all the information and you have the built-in advantage advantage of potentially making it four down territory because of you know what you might need in terms of points you, you you give away that advantage by taking the ball first if you're Kyle Shanahan when you win the coin toss
2: you know what else we, it's like we're discovering more and more of this stuff as we go on here with this with this explanation yeah there was never going to be a third possession yeah. he's playing for a third possession the Chiefs have told you they were going to go for two so either the game was going to be over Kansas City wins
3: no. oh yeah or San Francisco
2: wins There was never going to be a third possession.
0: Because if you are the Chiefs, why would you allow the game to go to sudden death? Well, they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to let sudden death be my two-point conversion. That's what I'm going to let sudden death be. My two-point. I'm not going to give that away. It gives me an opportunity to win the game right then and there.
2: So spin it even more positively for San Francisco in an odd way. Let's say they score a touchdown instead of a field goal in that first drive. Okay? So now they're up Mm 26-19. Right? And they kick the extra point. Let's say it's not blocked like it was earlier in the game. 26-19. Now, let's say Kansas City scores a touchdown. What they have told you, what Mahomes has said, is they were going to go for two. So the game would have either finished 27 26 Kansas City or 26 25 San Francisco. You're playing for a third possession that never would have existed. Also, if even in a best case scenario for San Francisco of scoring a touchdown on the first drive.
3: Right. And even if you assume that them scoring is inevitable and your defense is gassed, then why wouldn't you still have them go first? Yeah. If you think that they're so tired and that Patrick Mahomes is going to get the job done, still, why wouldn't you want them to go first so then you have every possible strategic advantage at your fingertips to know where you need to go?
0: And then, and, and you're absolutely right, but to take it a step further, why would you not go for it on on second, why would you not go for it on fourth down if you're inside your own 10-yard, I mean, inside their 10-yard line? So let me say it this way. The, the the San Francisco 49ers drove the ball all the way down to the nine-yard line in overtime. hmm why would you not go for it on fourth down? Like, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Like, you kick a field goal, which makes it four down territory for the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs needed to convert on a fourth and one from their own 34 to keep that last drive going. If you don't kick the field goal, then it's not four down territory, then the Chiefs punt back to you, and all of a sudden you're in sudden depth with your third possession. So if you're angling for the third possession – Then why would you kick a field goal when you could have just went for it on fourth and four from your own nine, I mean, from their nine yard line? Well, like I did, that's the part that's mind blowing too. If you, so, so your rationale for playing for the third possession doesn't align with what you actually did right. on your first possession in overtime. Uh, if you thought we were done with this, uh, there's more from Kyle Shanahan.
2: We're going to hear about the big game coach that is Kyle Shanahan after this with Cece from a Granger. Ah, uh,
0: yes, for the ones who get it done, like the Chiefs going back to back
5: so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C dot We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes
2: when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at
1: LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. One year from now, we're going to be talking about Kyle
0: Shanahan potentially getting fired. They haven't won a title in 29 years. Like, that's hard to say, but it's true. They've gotten there. They haven't won a title in 29 years, and that's not what the 49ers are about. There
5: is not a coach whose name is not Andy Reid who's mm-hmm. having more consistent success in the NFL right now than Kyle Shanahan, and the San Francisco 49ers are glad to have him. It's just kind of unfortunate that who they went against, but yeah, I have full confidence in Shanahan.
2: Our buddy Dan Graziano made an interesting statement there. Outside of Andy Reid, there's not a coach in the NFL that has had more success recently than Kyle Shanahan. Sean McVay has been to 2-1-1 and won more games in the same stretch as Kyle Shanahan. Your former coach, John Harbaugh, has not been back there for a little bit, but he's had some success recently. Mm -hmm. Mike Tomlin has a winning season every single year. I'm not saying Dan's wrong. I think the more you look into it, the more peers that Kyle Shanahan actually has, right? I think there's, like, if I'm not mistaken, he has, like, the sixth or seventh most wins in the time that he's been in the NFL, which is amazing, but it's not top two.
0: Yeah, he's tied for seventh.
3: I would like to see if that stacks up with Mike McCarthy, too.
2: Yeah, who has more wins? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah,
0: so the Eagles have more wins, the Rams have more wins, the Ravens have more wins, the Saints, the Bills, the Chiefs. The Chiefs have 100 wins since 2017. The
2: Saints have more wins in that same time? Yeah, if you include wow.
0: the, the regular season and wow. playoffs. The Chiefs that. have 100 wins. Nobody else has 80. <laughs> like, they, they think about that. And that's seven seasons yeah, or six seasons. Since 2017. Since the start of the 2017 Too math for me. I can't figure that out. So, so think about that. Like The Chiefs have 100 wins. The Bills are second with 78. Wow. And the Saints are tied with third. They're in a three-way tie for third with the Ravens and the Rams at 77.
3: I did not expect that one. To be on the list, the Saints. In this stretch,
2: Kyle Shanahan has been the third most successful coach because the Eagles had multiple coaches during that time, obviously. Mm -hmm. Saints have had multiple coaches during that time. Mm -hmm. Buffalo hasn't been to a Super Bowl. Uh, Baltimore hasn't been to a Super Bowl in that time. So, in Kyle Shanahan's career in the NFL as a head coach, he has been the third most successful head coach during that time. Would you say that? I mean, Matt LaFleur is there.
0: Mm -hmm. He's tied with Matt LaFleur.
2: Hasn't been to a Super Bowl. Shanahan's been to two. The point is, it's not as obvious as we've made it out to be. And I think looking at it that way, like how has he done in comparison to his peers? Now, Kyle Shanahan would maybe beg to differ as he did yesterday talking about the Niners and his team in big games.
6: I mean, you'd love to fix perception because I would love to win one for... What I know about football and stuff And I know if I fix perception That means I did everything I wanted to do Which isn't fixed perception It's win a damn Super Bowl um, But I also know like When you say big games Like we've got to win a bunch of big games To get to Super Bowls We've won a lot of big games here uh, We've won a lot of big games To get into playoffs um, The fact that we keep getting there Shows you guys how many, how much we've been game Win games or big games And I think you guys are aware of that But it's You know These two Super Bowls Have been tough Losing to Kansas City but to think that if, if we win that, that means I can win a big game. No, that means our team won the Super Bowl. That's what, that's what I understand. You guys can have any narrative you want, but like the success or the failure, uh, it comes down to one game. And I hope that I can be a part of a team that wins a game at the end of the year. But to say that the Niners can't win a big game, would be an extremely inaccurate statement.
0: He had it right until he didn't. He started down the road of, yeah, we haven't won a Super Bowl, and so that's the ultimate goal. Hard stop. Don't say anything else. That's right. That, that's how we're going to be judged in this business, by winning the last game of the season. And if you don't win the last game of the season and you've been there twice in the last four, five years and, and it ends in a loss, then that's a disappointment. Th- that's all it is. There's no reason to go into, oh, well, you have to win a lot of big games in order to get to this point and all of that stuff. You don't have to go into all of that, dog. Like, you are going to be judged on whether or not you can accomplish this. You've already proven that you can get to the Super Bowl. Now the question is going to be looming out there. Can you win the Super Bowl? And I get it. Everybody now is saying that Kyle Shanahan is going to get it done eventually, and they're using Andy Reid as the example because those two just matched up in the Super Bowl. So I I, I understand that. He's a really smart coach. He grew up in the business. His daddy is a legendary coach that won a couple championships with the Broncos. Mike Shanahan – We're assigning a level of success to Kyle Shanahan that he hasn't already had, and I just don't know that comparing him to Andy Reid is justification of him eventually getting it done is actually the right thing to do. Because for your Andy Reid, I will second that with Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves, a legendary coach with the Denver Broncos. He, He went to three Super Bowls in a span of four years. He had John Elway as his quarterback. He went to another Super Bowl later in his career when he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and he didn't win one Super Bowl. Mm. He didn't win one. He's been to four, didn't win one. Marv Levy went to four straight Super Bowls, didn't win one. Mm -hmm. Like, like, we got to stop this. Oh, well, Kyle's really smart, and he's jumped on the stage, went to a Super Bowl in his age 40 season. Listen, man, just because he's done all that doesn't mean that he's eventually going to win a Super Bowl. It's not an inevitability. It is on the board that he might not win a Super Bowl. Regardless of the fact that he's been to two in the last five years.
3: Yeah, we don't even know if they're gonna be able to get back there, let alone win it. You know, it's it's a pretty big leap to get there to just assume that he's gonna win. But I also don't really understand the rationale of responding to that by saying we've we've won a lot of really big games because there's levels to this. To suggest that winning the Super Bowl is the same as winning playoff games, I think is a um, is kind of short-sighted by Kyle Shanahan because your players certainly don't feel like they've won the big game. And I don't think that they're satisfied with just getting to the Super Bowl or winning playoff game. So to respond in that way, I was a little thrown off by that because I would think in the immediacy of losing the Super Bowl and losing it in the manner in which you did in overtime, being that close to achieving your all-time goal, that I wouldn't be able to see anything else other than the fact that we just came short and we were so close. And my responses, and obviously everybody's different, but my responses would only be about the fact that we're not only going to get back there next year, but we're going to get the job done.
2: Yeah, I think there's a few ways of looking at this. I think he could have gone with the, I'm going to shoot it down immediately and I'm not going to try to defend myself, which probably sounds like something like this. When he's asked, you know, are you good in big games or how would you describe that narrative of you guys not being good in big games? We're 0-2 in the Super Bowl. It is our job to win the Super Bowl. We haven't done that, and we need to do that. That's, that's part one. That ends it. There's no, there's no debate on that. Part two, if you want to try to defend yourself while also acknowledging the obvious of not winning the Super Bowl, is because of the fact that we've won so many big games to get to the Super Bowl, we rightfully have the pressure to win it all, and we haven't done that. Okay, that's a little bit easier, right? I'm, I'm pointing out we've, it's more
0: palatable, right?
2: We, I'm pointing out we've won big games, yeah. which they have, yeah. but they haven't won the biggest of games. But here's the thing: I don't
0: understand why you have to be. Defensive I don't think you do, he and, and it's the indefensible. That's the part that yeah. I don't, yeah. un, I don't get. I agree, especially how that comes across with your players. Like, yeah, we've won a lot of big games, but your players are sitting there saying, "Yeah, but if I win a Super Bowl, that changes my life
3: and my life that changes my
0: life and my legacy." Like what do you, you think Christian McCaffrey wants to hear that crap from Kyle Shanahan yesterday? I promise you. He the doesn't. only thing I want to hear as a player is I let my guys down as the head coach. It's my job to put them in position to have success. I made a decision in overtime. I made a decision not to call the timeouts at the end of the first half. I made a decision to throw the ball eight of the first nine plays of the second half where we went three straight, three and else. Those were my decisions. I made a decision not to go for it on fourth down in the low red zone in overtime and settle for a field goal. I made those choices, and they were the wrong choices, obviously, because we lost the game. Why are you trying to defend choices that led you to lose the game? Your rationale doesn't matter to the players that are hurting in that locker room. They have an adage in the NFL that players win games, coaches lose games. They have that saying for a reason. Fall on the sword. You're you're the head coach. You got more power in the organization short of the owner. That's on you, dog. I don't want to hear anything else, Ev. But the fact that he's given us all of this lip service about his rationale and his logic in defending, you know, defending himself about the players not being aware of the overtime rules, saying he delegated that responsibility to the coaches right before overtime starts, miss me with all of that, dog. Your team was not prepared for the moment like the Chiefs were. You weren't prepared for the moment like Andy Reid was. You got to accept that. You got to acknowledge that, and that goes a long ways to mending fences with your coaching gas that led to your players being on the wrong side of the game.
2: Well, Super Bowl is over. We're officially in the NFL offseason, which means we are also in mock draft season. We will dive into that coming up next. We're on Sportsmanlike presented by Progressive Insurance. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
5: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, and Michelle Smallman.
5: Unsportsmanlike.
1: Look at Drake May play. Watch him
0: throw the football. The kid can sling it around the yard. The kid probably has the edge in athleticism with Kayla Williams. Wow. Like If you're comparing the two to head, Drake May looks like the better athlete. When they go to the combine, Wait. Drake May is going to blow some people away.
3: So he's bigger, stronger, faster. It, the arm strength is, com- is comparable, and he can spin it. Yet we're saying definitively Kayla Williams is number one.
2: Well, CC left us with that little gem there. He's over at Get Up. New mock draft out today. Field Yates has it out, ESPN.com, and he joins us now. But I don't know how happy Field is. Oh no,
3: why? Field's okay. Happy. Go ahead.
2: The
7: floor is yours, Fields. <laughs> Well, first of all, before we get to the uh, the grievance that I must air, uh, what, what else was involved in the trade of Canny and I? Like, who, which side also sent additional draft compensation to the other show? Like, I'm assuming that in order to acquire Canny, you need to get me plus a lot of other stuff, right? Like, Candy, megastar, radio yep. icon, all over TV as well. He's also six foot eight; he can squash me like a bug. Uh, so, I'm assuming that GetUp, uh, I mean, excuse me, GetUp had to send Candy, and I had to come from GetUp with right. like, I don't know, some sort of remuneration beyond just myself well
2: i'm glad you asked it was a top three protected and a pick swap in 2027 is what we got okay yeah
7: gotcha that's very (laughs) dallas mavericks of you guys uh so that's very good to know here yes uh the gripe the gripe that I had, though, yeah, was the... you guys are doing your top three most lovable personalities at ESPN. And don't get me wrong, there are many lovable people here at ESPN. But, you know, Michelle and I go back probably, what, like a, a, a decade now? We've Pretty been we've been friends for a long time. You know, Evan, obviously a little newer to the ESPN territory in this current uh, role that he has. But still, I felt like we made an instant connection. I was filthy, feeling a little jilted. I'm not going to lie to you guys.
2: I think you're right. I think you are maybe— yeah. A Kurt Warner Fourth. level of undrafted free agents.
3: Yeah, this is a good see. I think I could
2: see maybe. All right, now we're back. Yeah, he's bagging groceries now, but he yeah. may win a Super Bowl for us at no, some point. No, he will win a Super yeah. Bowl. Oh, he yeah. will. Deal. Yeah. 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 Now, now yeah.
3: can I defend at least my picks quickly, field? I yeah, selected uh, Jeff Saturday and Damian Woody, yeah. two of our teammates yeah. that join us here in studio weekly. Ah, so I think maybe you ooh, need to come down yeah. to the Seaport and join ooh. us in person more often.
7: You know what? You know you have to twist my arm to get me out of uh, central Connecticut to the to the great city of Manhattan in New York. So uh, I will do my best to be down there soon enough uh, in person. Uh, but for now, I continue to call Bristol home.
2: All right, it is the Love Fest on Valentine's Day <laughs> with Field Yates, who we do love. Yeah. His new uh, first draft podcast with Mel Kuiper is out, and I believe on ESPN two once a week as well. Um, Monday afternoons, yeah, yeah. you see it at two p.m. Eastern time. All right, your latest mock draft number one is where we thought number one would be with Caleb Williams. Number two and three, I was interested in. Tell everybody what you have there and why.
7: Yeah, Jaden Daniels, number two to uh, the Washington Commanders. See, of course, the Heisman Trophy winner from LSU. I've said it a million times, I'll say it again. No player did more to improve his draft stock during the 2023 college football season than Jaden Daniels. 40 touchdowns, just four interceptions on the ground as well. Terrific. Led all players in Division I in terms of yards per attempt with a minimum of 100 carries. He rushed for over 1,000 yards. He immediately changes the way that you are able to play defense when you are facing Jaden Daniels. If you want to pressure him, you run the risk of him breaking that pressure and running past your secondary for a big play on the ground. If you want to play zone defense to prevent some of those big runs, he's capable enough of a thrower to pick you apart, as was the case this past season, so he takes the edge over Drake May, North Carolina quarterback going to the New England Patriots at number three overall. Drake May had this incredible 2022 season as a redshirt freshman. He won all the major offensive awards in the ACC. This past season, new offensive coordinator, slightly different system. Devontae Walker, his top receiver, missed the first five games of the year because he was awaiting eligibility after being a double transfer. Beyond that, the offensive line not as good. All those things contributed to it, but it was not nearly the same season this past year for Drake May as it was back in 2022. I don't want to fall into the trap of only putting a premium on the most recent season because Drake May is not a consolation prize for the Patriots, but what Jaden Daniels accomplished this past year is enough enough of a tiebreaker to move him up to the number three overall player on my board and the number two overall player in this mock draft.
3: So Field, you still have Caleb Williams there at number one. How big is the gap between Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels and or Drake May?
7: I do have Caleb Williams as a clear-cut number one prospect, Michelle, but the gap is not so sizable, and the reason why I think that's important is because if I'm the Washington Commanders, despite the fact that you just hired Cliff Kingsbury as your new offensive coordinator, Cliff, of course, spent this past year with USC on the offensive staff I don't think that you should pay the cost that it would take to move up from pick number two to pick number one. Despite the fact that it's just one slot in the draft, the Bears know that if you're coming to call them, what you are telling Chicago is that there's only one quarterback that we like, enough so that the draft cost is going to be so prohibitive for Washington that if— if Caleb Williams has not hit his you know, top 10 percentile outcome or at least become an awesome player, you're going to set your franchise back. I don't think it's, uh, it's quite time for us to say that Carolina is sort of just you know left for dead having drafted Bryce Young after paying that big price this past year, but it was a reminder that if it doesn't work out, it can be extremely detrimental to your franchise. So for me, it's Caleb Williams, a little bit of a gap, but I'm still a massive fan of both Jaden Daniels and Drake May.
2: So Field Yates' latest mock draft, available at ESPN.com, NFL Draft Analyst, Fantasy Focus, and First Draft Podcast, has those three guys, one, two, and three. Caleb Williams to the Bears, Jaden Daniels to Washington, and um, Drake Maiden, New England. Now you have two other quarterbacks in the first round. Tell us about J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix.
7: Yeah, JJ McCarthy goes number 12 overall and Bo Nix goes number 20 overall. Uh, that, of course, to the Broncos and then to the Steelers. It's important to remember people, despite the fact that my big board, my overall big board doesn't have quite as many, uh, it does not have those quarterbacks ranked in those spots specifically. Quarterbacks always move up the board. You gotta look at the circumstances, including the circumstances of this mock draft. It's before the combine and we don't allow trades in mock 1.0 here at ESPN. But, The Broncos, pick number 12, they have six total selections in this year's draft class. They do not have a second-round pick. They are going to have to move on from Russell Wilson, and I'm here to tell you the cap ramifications for that – are gnarly. This is a team that wants to win right now. Sean Payton has made that incredibly clear, and for a stretch last year, it looked like he was a smart man for saying that team could be pretty good. They have to find a way to get a quarterback in the building that they believe can take them back to the playoffs, and while it's probably a reach relative to how I view the prospect and J.J. McCarthy at pick 12, they don't have a lot of other options there. Meanwhile, the Steelers have made it clear that they want to uh, bring in some competition at the very least for Kenny Pickett. They've already released Mitch Trubisky. I can't trade for Justin Fields in my mock draft, but if I were Pittsburgh, what I will be doing will be calling Chicago every day to try to get a deal done for Justin Fields. They end up with Bo Nix in this mock draft, but J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix, two guys who are going to win with accuracy. J.J.'s terrific ball placement, very good athletic ability. All of Those things contribute to why his profile is strong right now in the eyes of some executives around the NFL. Meanwhile, for Bo Nix, you know, a guy who people remember him from his Auburn days, he was this kind of razzle-dazzle, you-never-know-what-you're-going-to-get kind of quarterback, really refined his game during his time at Oregon. He set the single season, season FBS completion percentage mark at nearly 78 last year. He was sacked a total of five times. He certainly had some good help around him, but i am tell you what, this guy's an accuracy merchant. He's going to find the open receiver, and he's generally going to hit that player right in stride as well.
3: Fields, we have about a minute here, but if the phone is ringing at Hallis Hall for Justin Fields, what sort of trade proposition do you expect to be on the other end?
7: Well, I think the most important thing here, Michelle, is how many phone calls you're getting. Because if you're getting a few of them, the price is going up. I don't think a first-round pick is in play for Justin Fields. But if I'm Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager, I want at least a second-round pick and perhaps a little extra goodies to make this deal worthwhile for the franchise. If I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I own number 50, the 50th pick overall in the draft. I'm calling Ryan Poles. I'm saying pick 50 and something else to get this deal done with the Chicago Bears to make Justin Fields the new centerpiece of this Steelers offense and Give you a player at quarterback that a team actually fears for the first time since Ben Roethlisberger was under center in Pittsburgh a few seasons ago.
2: There is not a person at ESPN that does the first draft podcast, ESPN draft analyst, host of Fantasy Focus, and a part of NFL Live that is more lovable than Field Yates. <laughs> oh, no my else. God. I, what We'd a way to finish right there. Yeah. We love him more. Field, you're the, you best. the best. Thank best. you so much. We appreciate the time. <laughs> See you guys. All right, there's Field Yates joining us. I think very interesting. Pittsburgh go all in on Justin Fields. Not a first rounder, Quite though, which is what he said five first-round quarterbacks in the latest mock draft. We're Unsportsmanlike, presented by
1: Progressive Insurance. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.